Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Change can happen through small, small wins, tiny things that happen, micro performance improvements. How are they going to work with the customer? And, you know, because we're looking for micro performance improvements in our coaching. Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Hey, welcome to the show. Uh, so excited that you're here and we continue to just get great reviews. So many people um, sharing different experiences, writing in their responses to different guests and uh, encourage you keep sharing. That's what's made us one of the, the number one leadership podcasts in the world. Appreciate all of that. And today, no exception, we've got a great guest for you today. Her name is Wendy Swire. And Wendy's a global executive, leadership coach, author, speaker, applied neuroscience consultant. Not everyone can say that. And uh, Wendy's got more than two decades of experience coaching thousands of leaders in the U.S. and globally. She's a thought leader in the field of neuroleadership, which is one of my favorite topics and how the brain works and how leadership intersects with all of that. Uh, as well as mental fitness. Wendy's known for teaching practices that slow down the brain to allow leaders to work more effectively with others. And she's co-authored a book that we're going to be talking about today, the highly acclaimed book, Anytime Coaching, Unleashing Employee Performance. Wendy, welcome and thank you for being a guest on Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. David, thank you so much. And I'm very excited to talk to you. And I want to thank your listeners for tuning in. I know. And I'm so grateful for all of our listeners and for all of the ways that they take the things that we share here and they put them into work and are making a difference for the people and businesses and, and clients and customers they serve, as well as their team. So, uh, Wendy, we're going to get into the book. But before we do that, I'd like you to um, take us back, if you would, to your earliest memory of yourself as a leader. Oh, God, I love that. Wow. Well, like, you know, as a child, um, I suppose I could say um, I had a really, you know, lovely, I had a, a childhood where I was able to play a lot. And so, you know, I'd love to say I was leading my toys and organizing them and, you know, putting them in, you know, through different routines. I think I really, my earliest memory of leading really came, I'm going to say, in high school really those formative years of high school, where I started um, a group, a little after school group at my high school. I was at a very large public high school and I went ahead and I just stepped forward. There was a need. It was um, you know, about some local issues and I just kind of just stepped forward. I put my hand forward and people followed. And you know, we didn't have hundreds of people join the after school club, but a few did. And it really is this sense of um, you move forward, like you put your hand up if there's a need. Uh, the other really formative early impressions where I learned was from my father. My father was an entrepreneur. 
He had started a business. Um, he had a very much a rags to riches story, you know, um, but he started his own business. He was a successful entrepreneur and he was a leader. I mean, he had employees and he loved his work. So that's where I think I got the first taste of leadership. So there's the seeing it yourself and then the, the experience of stepping forward and have people join you. Not everyone, but some people join you in that, that step forward. Fantastic. Well, thank you for, for just giving us a little bit more of a glimpse of, of your leadership journey. And obviously it's led you some pretty incredible work, incredible places and the uh, neuroscience, the neuro leadership group, um, just for our listeners who may not be familiar with the term, uh, when you talk about neuro leadership, what are we talking about? Oh, absolutely. I'm happy to, I'm excited to introduce the, the your listeners to this. So neuroscience, it, neural leadership is really the intersection of taking cutting edge information and knowledge, what we know about the brain from the technical field, the scientific field of neuroscience and applying it to leadership. Now that includes things like how to motivate, habit formation, how to learn about stress, how to increase your productivity and your resiliency. Uh, so essentially it's a field that was started in the late, you know, like 2000s. And I was very lucky. I got involved in it in around 2007. So I've been studying the brain and its applications. So it's anything from health and wellness all the way to what gets in your way of you showing up how you want to show up. You know, the brain is the most powerful information transfer system on the planet. And you have one. And the more you can learn about it, the more you can tap into it. Just some basic knowledge will help fuel your performance, your productivity, your resilience, and a whole bunch of other great stuff. So it's the intersection of these two disciplines. It's a, it's a fantastic course of study. I, I have, I'm not a student myself in any formal sense, but through reading and, and so on, uh, have just been fascinated. And, and I really do believe that good leaders are students of the human mind, whether, whether we're conscious of that or not. To me, the effective leaders are people who understand people and how we work and how we're wired and all the differences and, and commonalities and all the things that you just mentioned about motivation and learning and stress and performance and all of those elements. So I know we'll unpack and get into some of that as, as we get going talking about coaching here. So when we're talking about coaching, so the name of your book, Anytime Coaching that you co-authored, Unleashing Employee Performance. Coaching is one of those skills and why I was eager to have you on the show and, and have this conversation uh, in our work with, with leaders around the world. It is a topic we hear about frequently from leaders that know, I, they know they need to coach. They know it's a part of the job description, whether formal or informal, but they know they need to do it, but it can feel intimidating. Maybe they're not sure how, or there's a reluctance there. When you think about coaching and the reasons you decided to, to write this book, what do you think's behind that feeling of reluctance or I don't know if it's intimidation or I think it's a lot of things, but have you encountered that? And if so, what do you think is going on there? Yeah, I could not agree more. What we have found and, you know, my co-author and I, when we decided to write the book, you know, the publisher came to us and said, look, there is a need for people to understand coaching. 
And, you know, not everyone has opportunity to go to, I went to Georgetown Leadership Coaching Program. Not everyone has opportunity to take six months and go through formal coach training, right? But it is essential in today's world as a leader that you have some of these basic skills. You have the skills of directing and organizing work. You might have, you know, the skill, the skill of expiring through your vision. Well, coaching, mentoring, you know, coaching is one of those skills that you need in your toolbox. So our book is designed to, I'm going to say, not dumb down, but demystify what you do in coaching. It's very practical. It's very hands-on. We have a model that you can use, but it's already what you are doing as a leader. It's basically fundamental communication skills applied with just more intentionality and, you know, using, you know, some techniques, but it is the essential skills of, are you listening? Are you distracted? Are you asking questions a certain way? How are you responding? What is your own awareness that you bring to the conversation? Um, and as well as a few other things like that. So really that is the heart of, if you were to go to a coaching program like I did, we just spent a lot of time there. We've sort of boiled it down. So it's accessible and practical to anybody. And the reason the book is titled Anytime Coaching, we know leaders are busy. They cannot take an extra half an hour, an hour for a coaching session like I do as a coach or you, you know, you do talking to your clients, right? We don't have they don't leaders don't have time. You can have these conversations anytime, short conversations. You're bringing out the best in people and helping them solve whatever the issue is. And they come up with the insight. That's what coaching is. You know, one of the, the, the words that you used, you said accessible and demystifying. And the word that came up for me in, in your model is approachable. It, uh, I, I think it's that aspect that's appealing. It's in practical, obviously you said practical and people listening to the show are all about those practical leadership skills. So let's start at the beginning um, before anything else, and you were getting into this a little bit there at the end of your statement, what exactly is coaching and how does it differ from other things that leaders do? So when are we coaching? When are we not? The, let's, let's get a definition first and then we'll get into it. hundred percent coach. I mean, leaders, you wear multiple hats. So there is a hat of coaching in which is you are enabling and empowering your associate or your employee to, and here we can call it the coachee. You're helping other people solve their problem. And we assume that when, some, when you're coaching somebody that they have the capability, resources, potential to actually solve this issue or concern themselves with proper listening and questioning and really diving deep. Like what is behind this? What is getting in your way? What does it look like? What is your perception? So you have someone uncover the issue themselves. And the reason why that's powerful, I think, as we know, when you figure something out yourself and you have the aha, it's stickier in your brain. You're more likely to adhere to it. And it's your own. You have, um, you have more skin in the game, right? Versus when you are uh, being directed, you know, I'm being told what to do. So it really is a way to bring out the best thinking in others, but they do the work. So our first distinction is in coaching as a leader, you take off your hat of, 
I'm going to tell you it's more efficient. I'll tell you, you know, how to do it quickly, which is a hat you have to wear, right? You have to delegate. You have to direct. You take that hat off and you say to your employee, you know, what, what are some ideas that you have how we could solve this? You know, what, what, is, what is some of your concerns? What's coming up for you? You actually ask the other person. You ask the other person. So that's one distinction. And consulting, you know, sometimes I do come in as a consultant and there I'm being brought to give advice. Different, different than coaching. Mentoring is a slightly a different flavor of it, but does I hope that helps give you some of the key distinctions? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that, and I, we hear this all the time from clients when we talk about coaching. Um, one of their concerns, and I thought you might have some light to shed on this, is as you said, I'm asking in a coaching mode, I am asking for the person, the coachee, to share some of their thinking. What are their thoughts, their alternatives, things that they might consider? One of the questions that people feel very uncomfortable with is, well, if there's just one right way to do this, it feels disingenuous for me to be asking about their thinking and what they might do. Let's just, let's just get to the answer. Otherwise, they feel like they're doing an unfair guessing game with the coachee. And I think it's a fair question. Uh, and there's a distinction there between them. So I'm, I'm curious if you could help us with that. Yeah, you know, there's an absolute. So for me, you know, here I would probably lean into, you know, the the there's so much context behind the question, of course. Is this someone that you really want them to figure these, have increased their problem solving skills, right? Or be able to get to be more independent from you and be a more creative thinker. But if there is an answer, there's a time and place to just say, yes, the answer is, you know, here's the way you do the coding or, you know, here's how you're going to take care of this customer if you need to, right? The problem is what happens with that employee? They keep coming back to you and back to you and back to you, right? And this is a coaching is a wonderful way that's going to kind of jumpstart your delegation as well. All about helping people develop their own critical yes, thinking. Yes, correct, correct. Yeah, you're giving a man to, you know, it really is the fishing analogy, right? What did you give someone a fish or you teach them to fish? There are times and places where I, you know, when I've led groups and teams, I, you know, and I've managed, I want my people to think on their own. I guess, and I will always say, you know, and even today I say, I know I might have an answer for you. I'm way more interested though. And let's look at how you're thinking about it and how you're going after it. I can always give you the answer. Yeah. You know, and one of the, one of the distinctions that's coming up as you're describing that is that just because there might be an answer doesn't mean there's not an opportunity to coach because the coaching might be, how are they getting to that answer? Where right. are they looking for their answers? How are they sourcing them? You know, and there's that process too, that as people grow and develop and become more independent and then able to connect with others. Right. So that's part of the, what I'm hearing, the coaching process helps you do. Yeah, I want to know what emotions like what's get what barriers what's getting in the way what's challenging you, how do you think about this, what does success look like for you, why would it be great if you could figure this out yourself and take on the project. Versus waiting for me to delegate it to you, you know to to the employee Absolutely. so there's a lot of benefits to coaching and what happens is David our leaders we get into our own way sometime and in the book. We have a phrase we call the fast results gene. And I put that in the book because I have, it's called the FRG. I have an FRG. I love efficiency. I'm a high achiever. I love to get stuff done. Uh, it, it's very satisfying, big to-do list, leading, going, moving, projects, this and that. I love that, right? And in coaching, 
you quiet your FRG. You quiet it and you let the other person, you have to be present for your employee, even if it's five minutes. You know, you put away your phone, you say, look, I've got five minutes, but I really want to understand, you know, how did you put together this PowerPoint? Or what is your logic? How are you going to work with the customer? What, what help do you need from me? How can I help you? You have to quiet and tame, we call it taming your FRG to be able to more effectively coach. And that's a, a good segue into the next question I had for you, because as you're describing the FRG, the fast response gene, uh, there's, there are others that get in the way. I feel like I have had all of these in my career and in my leadership that have gotten in the way of coaching. Like, so there's that one, which fast, efficient, let's get this done. Here's the answer. Go, go, go. Then there's the why sure I have the answer. Look at how smart I am with my wealth of experience, right? And I don't know what we call that one, the BHG big head gene or something. Like <laughs> and then there's, then there's the, I really care about you. Oh, I want to help. I want to support, you know, and I've seen, I've seen all of these inclinations in myself. Uh, so you know, like, those are just for me, the th three that come to mind. I'm sure there are others that can get. Oh, there's so many for me and my methodology that I do a lot. This is kind of mental. This is segue into mental fitness. A lot of these, this is our own voice gets in our head. And it is, I want to be right. I want to, you know, I, we get, we love being the right, you know, smartest one in the room. Yeah, we have our own things, our own inner critics that we have to work on. If we really want to take our teams and our leader, our leaders to the next level, our managers, then you do have to kind of get out of your own way. And the first practice of any time coaching, you know, there's, there's four, you know, there's four practices. The first one is just observing yourself. You know, do you have the headspace to have a, 15 minute coaching conversation with your employee or your associate, your team member. Are, are you have the right headspace right now? Do a head check, you know, clear your head. Are, can you really have that conversation? And if you can't, don't have it. That's okay. And not all conversations are coaching conversations. What is the headspace then that as we do that, starting with a check-in with ourself uh, and, and all of that reflection process, what is the, headspace that we're looking for if we're going to enter into a healthy, productive, effective coaching conversation? Yeah. Well, first is, you know, just be mindful of your just common sense. Are you under a tight deadline? Are you, you know, rushing off to lunch? You haven't eaten all day. You know, are you, is it the end of the day and you know your employee has to run off and, you know, or getting off Zoom? Of course, there's just some common sense things. But the most important thing when you do a head check is, you know, check in with your body. You know, leadership is embodied. It's not just in your head. It's also your emotions. Um, and it's also, you know, what's going on with you somatically? How are you feeling? But the number one key is another acronym in the book, and we call it, are you present, aware, and focused? Path. Are you present, aware, and focused? That's it. If not, take a couple deep breaths, saying, you know, I really want to chat with my associate Tom right now. I want to, you know, we just came out of a meeting and Tom did some really good things. I mean, these are real life cases, right? Tom did some great things and I want to build on the positives. You don't have to just coach for, I'm going to call it, um, uh, developmental feedback. You can coach positive behavior that you want to reinforce. So I really want to check in with Tom, what went well in the meeting, what can he learn from, how can he improve next time? Okay, let me just get present aware and focused. I've got 10 minutes. Okay, I'm really dialed in for that conversation. 
present, aware, and focused. Such a useful way yeah. to clear out and make sure we're in the right, the right place for that conversation. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I had not seen it that way. And as I was reading the book and I saw present, aware, focused in the description, uh, what I recognized was, I don't always get there, but I try hard to start in the three or four minutes before you join this conversation on the podcast, I try to get to that place because, you know, there's so many different experts. We have so many different conversations and I want to be present for them. And it's so easy in the, the swirl of the day to not be. So that's a useful that. present. Aware, focused path. Aware, focused path. Yep. Take right. a sticky right path. You know, and I love that, David, practical tip, you know, take, take five minutes before the call get a glass of water, take three breaths, breaths. It's really applied mindfulness. It's just basically another way for saying, you know, we don't call it mindfulness in the book. We call it path. I'm where, you know, my feet are on the ground. My head is clear, shake off. You know, anybody loves dogs, you know, how our dogs just shake up the water, just shake off whatever just happened, like literally visually shake it off. Okay. A couple deep breaths, drink a lot of water. Water's great for the brain. It also flushes cortisol, which creates stress. It's a neurochemical, uh, it's a, associated with stress and um, I'm here and, and that's it. That's really one of the keys to being able to do this. The other a, skills, most of our leaders, you just, you know, you already have them. I had a, a mentor many, many years ago, early in my career, who uh, I, I, he was describing a similar process and he described it as uh, if you think about whatever is going on as a coat that you're wearing or a backpack or what have you. It's like before you head into that conversation or that facilitation or that team, whatever it is, just hang that on the coat rack, hang it on the chair. It's going to be there. You can pick it back up when the conversation's over. It's not going anywhere, but you can set it down and mm -hmm. trust that you're going to be able to come back to it. Yeah. My Peloton teacher, one of my Peloton instructors, any Peloton folks, you know, leave your baggage when you're on the bike, just you set an intention. It's really no, you pick a phrase that works for you. We like path because it's, am I present? Yep. Am I aware of what's going on? Am I focused? So it's a reminder, but there's so many ways to visualize this. Um, you know, leave your baggage, leave your backpack. I love that. All right. We're getting present with Wendy Swire, co-author of Anytime Coaching, Unleashing Employee Performance. Uh, and we've been talking about the coaching process and how you as, uh, as a leader, as a supervisor can be an anytime coach and that, that these tools are available and accessible to you in any moment of your leadership. And so we've been talking about getting present, getting aware, getting focused. Now let's head into the rest of the model. You've got four steps of the, the coaching process uh, that, uh, so let's start maybe the 50,000 foot level about sure. what are those four steps. And then we, maybe we can walk through some of them. Sure. So the model, you know, if you get the book or if you go on the website, my website, which we'll give you a link to, it's not a linear model. I think that's, you know, and that was intentional. Actually, the visual of the model is a puzzle because we know puzzles, you can put different pieces together. So I think what we just did is the fundamental. It's the first piece getting observing, but the four, the three other components, there's four pieces of the model at the highest level. The first is observation, observing, which is what you did, observing yourself, observing what's going on uh, with your, you know, nonverbals, emotions, anything else, just really putting on um, observation lens. The second one is I, so it's observing inquiring. Inquiry is your questions, what kind of questions you are asking. When you are in the coaching mode, you are looking to ask mainly open-ended, simple questions. 
not leading questions. We try to stay away from closed-ended questions, but open-ended questions and use your questions really intentionally. Questions are often very, very underutilized tools by uh, most people, by most coach, by most leaders and others, okay? So it's observing, inquiring, listening. So if someone's talking, you gotta really dial into listening to them. And we talk in the book about listening biases people have. We also talk about extreme listening, kind of like those, you know, Tony Hawk, extreme sports. Listening is an extreme sport today. We are distracted. We have our phones. We are multitasking. Our brains are at what I call cognitive capacity overload. So mm. for you to give someone five minutes of your time, I am really listening to you. That's a huge gift. So listening is something you have to practice. That's number three. And then the fourth is responding. So what? how are you responding to the to the to um, your employee when you're coaching? There's lots of different responding tools you can use. So it's observing, inquiring, inquiry, uh, listening and responding. So a reader actually coined it the Euler model. We didn't come up with that. So it's just an oil. Someone else like, oh, I call it Euler when I'm coaching. So it's just those four techniques and the key the last thing about our model, about any becoming an any time coach is we are not looking for deep transformational change, radical change. You know, we're not doing that. We know from our experience and doing the research for the book, coaching thousands of leaders, that change can happen through small, small wins, tiny things that happen, micro performance improvements. How are you going to have your employee create, you know, uh, be more, um, less errors in some of the reports? How are they going to work with the customer and, you know, take care of meeting those metrics? I mean, little things, right? Tiny things. Are they showing up? Are they, you know, taking care of just basics? We're looking for micro performance improvements in our coaching. All so right. that's it. That's it at 50,000 feet. At the 50,000 foot level. Fantastic. You know, Wendy, as you're talking about um, these uh, these different process pieces of the puzzle, as you said, the observe, inquire, listen, and respond. One of the things that I want to underscore for listeners is in the book of you do such a good job of walking through different examples. So, you know, earlier you said this is a conversation you can have in five minutes, and you really do do that. So, when you're talking about like inquire and the different kinds of questions that we can ask you have many examples throughout the book of actual conversations and they don't have to take long and they are very real world, like with responses you could expect to get from, from people. And they're not scripts that you're just going to follow uh, mindlessly. It's going back to the awareness piece, but uh, all of that is there in a really practical way. So I, I thought that that's very helpful. That said, I wonder if on the inquiry piece, you mentioned the power of questions and different kinds of questions you mentioned open-ended questions. What are some other examples or, or a little bit more definition about the kinds of questions that are most effective when we're in a coaching mode? Again, let's go through just some basic common, you know, common distinctions on questions. So you have closed-ended questions, you know, did you complete the report? Did, you know, did the customer return, you know, the warranty information we needed, right? Did the app, is the app live on the platform? Yes, no questions, basic questions. There's a time and place for those, right? Open-ended questions tend to 
and encourage people to speak more. You know, what does success look like for you? How could you think about looking at this project design differently? What ideas do you have? Open-ended questions inspire, they make the other person um, uh, really speak more. And for our more shy, introverted, reluctant employees, sometimes you need a good open-ended question. But I will be honest from having managed, sometimes if you got a chatterbox and you really don't, you know, you just can't get there, closed-ended questions are can be useful, okay? There are often distinctions of, are you looking for, you know, is your question designed for facts? Are you really looking for um, uh, facts? Are you looking for answers? Are you looking for information? Are you looking for an update? You know, I'm going to ask a question because I really want an update. Then tailor your question to that versus I want a solution or I want to help my employee be innovative. So you tailor your question to what the result is you're looking for. And oftentimes, you know, we're recording this during football. Super Bowl is not too far away. You know, people throw very sloppy questions. The first pass, the you know, the sloppy pass, the first question that comes to their mind, they ask versus what is what is the purpose of my question? Another brand of questions that leaders often shy away from, and maybe they shouldn't, is questions about emotions and feelings. Now we know emotional intelligence from the research that people bring them whole their whole selves to work. And if you are comfortable doing this, I'd know, I'd love, you know, you ask a question. I'd love to know how you felt that went. You know, I'm sensing that you seem nervous, a little bit more nervous on this Zoom presentation. Do you want to tell me about that? Maybe that's something we can coach around. If you're comfortable, there is a place to ask about, about feelings, emotions, how people are reacting and perceptions. That is another category of questions. Can we pause there for just a moment? Because I, it's such a valuable, when we're talking about human-centered leadership, acknowledging the humanity, the full self of the person that we're speaking with, and what an incredibly powerful opportunity that is. Just saying, tell me how you felt. Tell me how you felt that went. Uh, and, and no matter what they say, that's their feeling about it. You know, the I'm curious about your experience when that feels very uncomfortable to leaders to ask that question and how we can help somebody who's going, Ooh, I don't know if I want to ask that. I think probably there's a lot of folks listening going, yeah, I got to ask that. That's great. And maybe some who are more reluctant. Yeah, of course. Of course. And you know, many times we're taught don't bring emotions and it's uncomfortable. There's a liability issue. Okay. That's true. And we know from research we know in our book, we did qualitative interview and research for this book that the best leaders are dialed in on all domains, not only the facts, the substance, they're inspiring, but they also connect with people a little bit more emotionally. And again, there's ways you can phrase it. You make it an invitation. You don't say, you have to tell me how you feel. You know, Susan, I just love, if you're willing to, if not, no problem, it's an invitation. I'd love to know, um, you know, you, you seemed a little more distracted at this meeting. I just, it's an, it's an invitation for them to share. In coaching, we don't, you're not telling anyone what to do. You're inviting them to share their thoughts, feelings, information. It, it, that's really the key, one of the other distinctions. Is there, as you're talking here, what you're, what I'm picking up is you're almost on this topic of asking someone about their feelings is you're asking it in a way that implicitly suggests they give permission for that conversation to happen or not, which is making me wonder, is there a permission context in coaching in general 
that we need to be aware of that what I mean by that is do I need to ask permission to coach somebody or is it an inherent part of the work and part of the relationship? Well, I, I, you know, we could probably have a whole session on that. You know, in my work as an external coach, there absolutely is agreements. I'm bound by a code of ethics, International Coaching Federation. I'm bound by confidentiality. My book, though, is written as manager as coach, leader as coach. And there are times where your job is to coach. Your job is to coach. Now, you can also say, I'd love to, you know, are you willing? I'd love to give you, you know, have a coaching conversation with you. What do you think? Is that something you're willing to do? Are you comfortable doing that? If not, okay. So again, even there, you can bring in, you, it's a two-way street, right? You need to bring in the employee to make sure that they're comfortable with it, right? So there are people, and I have seen this in a couple different domains, so the leaders I've coached, there are, there are some leaders who just love directing and telling people what to do, that's their style. You know, you know that, that there's limits to that. And I always say, that's cool. If you want to be that kind of directive leader, work doesn't work like that. Our Gen Z, our, our younger workers, they won't stand, you know, they don't want that, right? So if you're trying to motivate and inspire, it's probably not the best style, right? So I've always, the, the, the thing I'm most proud about the book is you can take baby steps here to teach yourself to get comfortable coaching. It's a skill, right? I would not go in if you're new to coaching as a leader, and then go take on the hardest performance problem and say, I'm going to coach that person. We can also coach positive behavior, which is a really nice way to start, right? I loved what you did at that meeting. I think it went well. Let's build upon that. Do you have two minutes? I'd love to have a quick little coaching conversation with you. You know, what did you notice? How did you prepare for this presentation? What did you do differently? How can we build upon that? You can coach up behavior. That's a great place to kind of get your training wheels on coaching. And it, it strikes me that even the, you know, oh, how'd you feel about that? When they had a, you know, knocked it out of the park and they're doing fantastic. And yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, it's an opportunity to celebrate and reinforce. Great. And why was that? What made it awesome for you? What did you do differently? Yeah. Well, did you prep differently? Was it your energy? You didn't seem as nervous. Oh, how do we build upon that? I'd love to see you do more of that. So then the cycle continues. How can I help support you to get to be able to do that again, that awesomeness? I love that. Such a, a another practical recommendation if you're looking where to start this process. If you haven't done much coaching, start with some of the positives you want to reinforce. And and by the way, don't just start there and then leave it behind. It's one of those opportunities that I think we have at work all the time is to learn from our successes. And I think in general, we don't do enough as leaders and teams and organizations to learn from what worked and capitalize on it and build from it. Like you were saying about what did you do? What, what did we try? What did we do differently? What, were, what happened positively that we weren't expecting? And what can we learn from that? Yeah, you know, we always say part of the underpinning of the book, and I hope, you know, I would love for your leaders to get it and, you know, let me know what you think, uh, is you see possibilities. Coaching is such a positive, people love to be coached. If you haven't been coached, people love it. And um, it's, we're looking for positive possibilities. What's possible here for you? You know, and it's a very positive communication interaction, or it can be, it should be, but that's yeah. really go in with that positive, see poss possibilities. And I tell a story in the book, David, about you know, real stories in the book about managers. And I'm, you've probably seen this as well. We call them turnaround managers, where someone comes into a division 
or gets a new, you know, small team. And there's always been one quote unquote problem employee over in the corner. No one gets along. The other manager didn't get along. And this new leader comes in with a fresh set of eyes and looks at this person and says like, wow, there's great potential here. None of the biases, none of the history. And guess what do you think happens to the employee? They turn turn around around. because someone gave hope in them and someone didn't just said, oh, okay. We call them turnaround managers. So you can be that turnaround manager with your team. If you can look at the situation using path with like fresh set of eyes, it's hard to do because of cognitive biases, but it's very possible you train yourself to do so. All right. Training yourself to be aware present. I did the out of order, but or I'm going to do app of aware, <laughs> aware, present, and focused, right? Uh, uh, present, aware, focused. You're doing beautifully. Path. And you know, I love that with the turnaround. Uh, you know, I've seen that. I've seen that with managers who walk in and, and have that. And part of it is they're listening. I think when they ask those questions uh, to get to know that person, see what's going on, they're truly listening. And you know, that's the third piece of the puzzle that that you get out in the book is um, how are we listening? You called it an extreme sport earlier. And one of the greatest gifts that we can give people in today's age. And I thought that it was beautifully said, what are we listening for? Yeah. Stop. You know, again, I know this is a leadership podcast. Do it with our, your children too, our, our loved ones, community, put away your phone and just listen. It's a gift. It's a rare art. It's a rare sport. And don't, you don't listen to judge you don't listen to give advice. You just listen and let the person finish. And by the way, sometimes they'll just like, oh, you know, they, you know, someone talks for two minutes and they're like, oh, they can actually sometimes solve their own issue. Just by getting it out there. Mm-hmm. As we are listening, what are we listening to, listening for? What are we looking to pick up on? What am I if I'm actively listening and I'm receiving what's being said, I'm trying to make sense of that in some capacity. Um, and, you know, you go into, in the book, you go into different kinds of stories and different things, but like from a big picture standpoint, not to be too simplistic necessarily, but if I'm really, truly listening, what am I listening to listening for in a coaching environment? Mm. Well, the first thing I listen for is congruence. I am listening to see do words. Now, again, again, a lot of us are working on Zoom or remotely, but am I looking to see, do words line up with body language, tone of voice, energy, kind of emotional resonance? All right. So if I say to you, oh yeah, okay, David, I'll work this weekend. Yeah, it's my son's birthday party, but okay. You know, that's not a congruent answer, right? That's not congruent. So you're looking at least to see if you can get some congruence in that because it's very important that you get a read of how people feel about it so that's the first thing you can start to look for it's called congruence and you know our words matching up with tone pitch body language overall emotional affect that's the thing one the second thing you can listen to are stories people tend to get stuck in story ruts Mm. are they a little bit of a victim are they blaming others? Well, I didn't get it done because, you know, Susan in accounting, I didn't get it from the accountants. You know, is that a pattern? And with comfort and more practice, you can actually coach around the story, but I'm listening for stories. 
is there a people pleaser? Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. No problem. I'll do it. And you know that this employee as a leader is overextended, but they can't say no. Mm-hmm. They can't set limits. I'm going to be listening for that, right? If someone is just so restless, like they can't, like they really need to focus, I want to know what's behind that. You know, is that, is there something um, in that? I'd, I'd, I listen for just different patterns and stories. I listen for congruence. And I am, personally, you know, as a coach, I'm always looking for what jazzes people up. Can you get a little eek of what interests people, emotional excitement, passion? Because then that's like a little bit of the fire that you can work with as a leader. Mm-hmm. It occurs to me as you're talking about the listening for the stories is that's back to why that path, uh, the present aware focus is so important because it's easy. It's human nature. It's so easy to fill in our own story before they've ever said anything. And that may not be the story at all. You know, that the person who, who looks overwhelmed or is a victim, maybe they're doing it to themselves because they have to have all the answers or they're a people pleaser or whatever, but I'm not going to find that out. Or maybe someone else actually treated them unjustly. And I'm not going to find that out if I can't really listen. Yeah, 100%. People get addicted. They like to be right. They like to prove that they're smart, you know, particularly people are trying to, you know, impress the manager, impress the leader. So there's so much you can listen to. I think we have 10 listening story types of listening biases and the stories you can listen to. I also very much always listen to like a poor me. It's not my fault. That's when it's very common. I'm trying and I didn't do it. That's one that I'm always, that's a pattern I'm always very frequently listening to as well. And as you listen and start to pick up on some of these stories or, or feel like you're starting to get a sense of the person's story, what do we do then? What's an effective coaching practice then? Is it more listening? Is it clarifying? Is it responding? Is it giving advice? Where do we go from there? Yeah. So the last piece of the model, the Euler model is responding. You've got to think carefully. First of all, are you comfortable now with your coaching skills? that you're comfortable coaching on the story itself, right? Like, I, you know, we've talked about this issue of, you know, XYZ report, Susan, and I'm just hearing a pattern here that it seems to be, you know, a problem of accounting. I'd love to talk to you more about how we're going to solve it. You know, you can point out, you don't have to use the word victim or you're a people pleaser or you're a perfectionist. You know, I wouldn't use those words unless you're really comfortable. <laughs> But, you know, I'm just noticing some patterns here. I'd love to talk to you about how do you think we can solve for that? You know, what's getting in the way? Maybe if there's something that how Susan is talking to the accounting department, right? So you coach around, you coach the person, often not the problem. So what is getting in the way of that person? You know, I'd love to hear, it sounds like working with your teammate, there's been a, you know, that seems to be slowing up your work. Hmm, how can we improve that? So you have a better working relationship. So I always want to figure out that angle, like where can we get at it? Um, So you respond based on um, your comfort and what do you think you need that person to do? But often we're looking, using brain science for them to get out of their own way. So you've got to to get into that. And that's partly why we don't want to use those labels most of the time, right? Of, you know, telling somebody that you're a people pleaser, like immediately that's, a whole different guy. That's not a productive conversation. I I, look, I'm an executive (laughs) coach for 20 plus years. I will. I mean, my clients, I'll say like, look, you know, come on, we're here in a, 
I'm hearing a story that you can't say no. Yeah. You can't say no to the CEO and you're, you know, your sleep is suffering and this is suffering. You're working all night long. Okay. Like, but that's me. <laughs> Don't, you know, I've been doing this a really long time. And there's the relationship that's established. Yes, 100%, 100%. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't off the bat, you know, I wouldn't swing for the fences. Let's, let's get some, you know, let's get a nice ground rule, like a ground rule single here or a ground rule double. Absolutely. I'm, I'm thinking back to one, uh, it was a very short, maybe 45 second coaching conversation I had with uh, a woman that was uh, a team leader for me, maybe 20 years ago. I would never, ever say to anybody what I said to her in that moment, but that was based on the context, what she needed, what, um, That's right. you know, and she came back and thanked me for it, <laughs> you know, but I still wonder to this day, was that too much? <laughs> Sounds like it was exactly what sometimes people do, but sometimes you can take off your coaching hat and just say, you know what, I've just got to tell you how the, I feel. I feel like I, as a human being, I'm concerned because I keep hearing this from you mm -hmm. and you don't go into coaching and you actually say, like, I just want to tell you, I'm seeing a pattern here. Yeah. You know, there, I have a different model. It's not in the book of, you know, you tell people the facts and you say, look, I'm just telling you how it lands with me. I'm, it's concerning me or I'm a little worried, or I'm getting frustrated. You know, we've had this conversation. I just want to let you know that. And how can I help you? How can we move beyond it? Kind of feed forward. Some advanced coaching there. My, my experience of this or you or this experience right now is this, and you gives them something else to work with. Yeah. Just, yeah. And how, yeah. That again, if it is appropriate, right. if not, don't have those conversations. I, I, and also, and also in the book, we talk, sometimes, you, you know, somebody has, in our today, there's a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety in the workplace. If there's some conversations that feel too delicate, inappropriate, don't do them. Don't touch them. Don't go there. You know, you, you create, you do what's comfortable with you for what's you. But at the same time, I would just say, let's, you know, the, the, the easiest thing, the easiest practical reminder, I think I can tell that we put in the book, because the book is full of all these practical tips. So you'll remember them in the brain. So they're sticky. Um, are you more of an asker or a teller? Think of the weight of justice, right? Back and forth. Are you doing more asking? Or are you doing more telling? As an anytime coach, lean towards asking. Just ask more questions than telling. That's a really quick and easy way to start to incorporate anytime coaching in your repertoire. And I just want to underscore as you're listening uh, uh, to, to our conversation here, how practical, how much there is in the book for you to dive into these skills with the, the role plays, the explanations, the stickiness that, that Wendy's describing. So we're talking with Wendy Swire, co-author, Anytime Coaching, Unleashing Employee Performance. Wendy, um, tell us where we can connect with you, uh, find the book, all those good things. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much. And um, I would love to stay in touch. So we have created, my team has created a special landing page just for listeners of leadership without losing your soul. I'm going to give that to you in a second. Um, the first place you can go for the book itself is I'm on Amazon. Um, Anytime coaching, if you type in Wendy Swire, my book comes up. It's published by Barrett Kohler, second edition. Get the second edition, not the first. There's a little more brain science in that one. So uh, we're available on Amazon. Um, Swire Solutions is the name of my company. There's links and you can see the, the Euler model on that website. But if you're interested, you know, specifically for listeners of this podcast, I'll give you the H, uh, the site, and I believe it's going to be in the, uh, the show notes. 
um, HTTPS, the two colons and the two black slashes, swiresolutions.com. That's all one word, swiresolutions.com. Uh, I guess it's the forward slash leadership without losing your soul podcast, another forward slash. So it's swiresolutions.com forward slash leadership without losing your soul podcast another forward slash and there you'll have lots of information um i'd love to hear from you i'd and love if to you're, anything i can do if you're driving or on the treadmill right now we will have that link in the show notes for you so you can also find it there on the page all right well wendy we are coming to the end of our time this has been uh, uh incredible uh insights in in coaching and some practical steps on uh, from everywhere how we get started we've talked talked about some advanced things one for as we close you said something a few minutes ago that I thought was important is that we coach to the person, not the problem. And, and you had an example in that moment, but can you walk us through a little bit more of what you mean by that? Cause I think that's a great principle to wrap up our conversation with. Yeah. So this came out of my advanced coach training at Georgetown. And I know this is very much linked to, you know, if, if anyone wants to become a certified coach, you're going to have to learn this. We often just let's coach the problem with the problem, very transactional. And sometimes you do want to coach the problem, you know, okay, what happened here? How are we going to fix it? What ideas do you have? Right. But often in coaching, again, we're trying to bring out the best in people. We want to coach the person. How did they approach the problem? What's their perception of the issue? What are their ideas? What's their, what's their emotions? What's getting in the way? And you'll have probably more long-term sustainable results and successes if you can really get at the human being behind the problem. Now, there's just something so beautiful about that on so many levels. Yes, from a leveraging productivity, from a influence perspective. I know when, you know, the, the motto of this show is be the leader you'd want your boss to be. And wouldn't you want a manager, a leader in your life who is investing in you that way so that you when you walk away from those interactions and that relationship you are that much better a version of yourself than you were going into it. And we have the opportunity to be that for one another and for our team members. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a gift to be able to coach. You don't have to spend hours. You can be small little bite size and just bring out the best in people. It's really just a framework of how you want to be in the world. Do you have a coaching mindset, asking questions, inquiring, being curious, bringing, you know, just trying to be um, supportive. That's the mindset of anytime coaching. Mm -hmm. All right. Wendy, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. This has been a, a delightful conversation and, and uh, very helpful for me and my coaching, as well as I know for our listeners. Thank you so much. It's an absolute privilege. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, absolutely. It's our pleasure. So listeners, Get out there. Wendy's given us the roadmap. We're going to start small. Look for those good stories, those places to celebrate uh, if you're just getting started and to coach the positive. Uh, reflecting, getting yourself ready with that path, present, aware, focused. And then we're going to observe, inquire, learn, and respond and be the leader you'd want your boss to be. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>